we're um, in the middle of a series looking at the idea of being hungry for God. Lindsay introduced it last week, you may remember. And today we're specifically looking at the subject of prayer and fasting. Now I don't know about you, but my experience of prayer and fasting in my Christian life thus far is somewhat mixed. It's a little bit up and down. Sometimes it can be great, sometimes it can be easy, and sometimes it can be really tough and really challenging. I remember a few years ago, I was driving with my prayer partner of the time, a guy called Simon. We were driving to meet some friends uh, who we were going on holiday with. And um, as we were driving along, the, the, kind of, the clouds were gathering in the most ominous way. The sky was incredibly black. There was a, this storm was brewing. It was an incredibly dramatic um, scene out of the car window. And I remember almost just as a joke, sitting next to him and singing the first line of All Heaven Declares. Just thought it would be a funny thing to do, kind of a Christian joke. And um, the next thing I know is that having sung the first line, so all heaven declares, something like that, he then joined in with the second line of that song. And before we knew it, the two of us were traveling along in his car and just worshipping the Lord in the most incredible way. Like it was completely spontaneous. The songs were just flowing into each other. One after another, we were just beginning new songs. And in between the songs, we were praying for each other. We were praying for different situations that were going on. And in his Ford Fiesta, as we were driving along the M25, two places you don't always associate with the presence of God, Simon and I were just caught up in the presence of God and there was just this incredible sense of worship and prayer and just knowing that God was there with us. It was really, really amazing. But it isn't always like that. It's not always like that for me and I dare say it may not always be like that for you. Sometimes I come downstairs to pray and I can't think of a single thing to say. I can't think of a single thing that I'm thankful for, even though there must be hundreds and thousands of things. I can't think of a single person to pray for, even though I know loads of people who would really benefit from my prayer that morning. The smallest things distract me. Like suddenly straightening a shelf that's a bit wonky seems like the most pressing and interesting task I could possibly give myself to, rather than praying. Sometimes the prayers don't flow and it doesn't come as easily as I would like. And when it comes to fasting, well, this is a confession right off the bat. There have been times in the last year when I went to bed on a Sunday night with the intention of fasting the following day for something specific, and I come downstairs the next morning, and the thought of it is just too much, and so I just have breakfast. Sometimes prayer and fasting really is quite challenging. It's difficult. It doesn't flow. It doesn't come naturally or easily. But you know, one of the things that I am really convinced of is that if we want to be a church, and I know that we do just from having spent a week here, if we want to be a church and if we want to be individual disciples who have a sustained hunger for God, and if we want to be a church and individual disciples who have the capacity to carry the things of God, then that hunger and that capacity is developed and sustained and grown in the place of prayer. When prayer flows and when it doesn't, 
over the last, we, we moved a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I don't know why, but one of the things that I've been enjoying since moving to Ealing, uh, I'm almost embarrassed to admit it, is I've been watching a program, I've seen a couple of episodes, to be fair, a program called Man vs. Food. Ah, oh, I'm so sorry. Another confession. I don't know if anyone's seen this program. You don't have to admit it publicly. It's, oh, yeah, Mark Tate has. I kind of felt there would be one, if anyone had seen it, it would be Mark. So thank you, Mark. I appreciate that. This is for the, you know, the, the younger generation, maybe. But um, basically, it's, a, it's, a, it's an odd program. It's, it's about a guy, a slightly overweight American guy, who travels around America, and he goes to various restaurants and kind of bar and grill-type places, and he particularly kind of hones in on places that have um, food challenges. So there might be like a restaurant somewhere in America that cooks like a two-stone burger or something like insane like that, do you know what I mean? And so this guy travels around, and if you can... Uh, he go to this place, and if you can eat the two-stone burger... You get a T-shirt and you get your photo on, on like the wall of fame or something like that. That's kind of how it works. And so he goes around and he takes on these challenges. It's a ridiculous program. But, but as I was watching this, I was thinking, you know, actually, if he was, in order to train for that, in order to, if he was to sort of starve himself for a week in order to develop an appetite for when it was the challenge, he'd never actually be able to do it. He'd never actually be able to eat a two-stone burger. I'm not sure he could do that anyway, but... Actually, he has to eat a colossal amount every single day of the week in order to be able to take on the challenges that he sets himself. And I think it's a little bit like that for us, with our hunger and our capacity for God. That actually we need to be feeding on him regularly when it's easy and when it's tough in order to have the hunger and the capacity to have all that he has for us. So let's look at our passage from Acts. If you've got a Bible, turn to... um, Acts chapter 13, and uh, I just want to make a few, um, three points really looking through these verses, and then I want to look at how do we sustain prayer when it's tough. If you haven't got a Bible, I think that I can actually see them, there are some Bibles at the back over there, and so if you would like one, you can go and grab one. So this is what it says, Acts chapter 13, starting to read at verse 1. It says, In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Manian, and Saul. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting. Now the church at Antioch was a very generous church, And the church in Antioch was a very gifted church. Luke mentions five of its most gifted leaders in this part of Acts. And they were real spiritual heavyweights of the day, Saul and Barnabas. We all know about them. These were impressive men of God. But it says, while they were worshipping. The they refers not just to the five men that are mentioned, but it refers to the church. It refers to the whole church in Antioch. It was a gifted church, it was a generous church, and it was a prayerful church. I don't know about you, but sometimes when you are around very gifted people, it can be very easy to become dependent upon gifted people for your 
spiritual nourishment. You can become dependent upon their spiritual life or their spirituality for your own growth. The church in Antioch had some incredibly gifted people, but the church in Antioch as a church was a prayerful church. In the church that we came from in Tunbridge Wells, um, there was an incredibly gifted lady, and um, she was very wise, she was very, very prayerful. And when anybody had an issue, or um, they wanted to pray through something, or they wanted some advice on something, or they were going through a hard time, or whatever it was, people would seek this particular lady out. They would want to meet with her. And I had the privilege, I was on the staff team at this church, so I had the privilege of meeting with this lady quite early in the morning. She'd often come in very early to pray, and I'd sometimes come along to meet her and to pray with her. And one of the things I began to realize was that she was quite reluctant to give advice. She could give advice, she was very wise, and she often had an idea as to what the right thing to do was in the different situations that people asked her about. But she she would often hold back. She wouldn't come straight out with a word of advice. And the more that I got to know her, the more I began to realize that the reason she was reluctant to wasn't because she didn't feel able to, but because she didn't want people to become dependent upon her. She didn't want people to become dependent upon her gifts, her spiritual walk. She wanted people to develop their own prayerful walk with God, where the first port of call wasn't to come to her, but the first port of call was to seek God for yourself. It's easy, isn't it, when you're around very gifted people to become dependent upon them. The church in Antioch had some incredibly gifted leaders. But the church in Antioch was a prayerful church. The church as a whole sought God for themselves. And it's in the context, isn't it, of this church seeking God that God speaks. So it says, while they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. It's in the context of worship, prayer, fasting, seeking after God, that God speaks. Prayer in the church in Antioch precedes action. Prayer precedes action. And that's something that we see throughout the early church, but it's something that we see supremely modeled by Jesus himself. If you read the life of Jesus, if you look through the Gospels, you see that almost every time that Jesus makes a significant decision, immediately before he takes a decision, we read of Jesus being at prayer. For Jesus himself prayerfulness preceded action. And so if you think about Jesus' baptism in Mark chapter one, he's baptized in the Jordan by John, the spirit of God descends and remains upon him. God affirms him. And then what happens? Jesus doesn't then head out to the temple or to the synagogue or into the town to preach or to heal. Actually, what happens is that Jesus is led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. He's led into the solitary place, the place of solitude, the place of testing. He's led into the place of prayer. And it's from there 
that he comes to begin his ministry. In Luke chapter six, we read of Jesus selecting the 12 that would be apostles. He's got a group of disciples around him and then he chooses 12. What do we read of him doing before he does that? He's at prayer. And in the last few hours of his life, just before he is arrested and crucified, Jesus leads his disciples out to the place of Gethsemane to pray. Jesus is arrested in the place of prayer. And Luke, when he writes about that, he writes as if it's a familiar place, as if it's a place that was known to the disciples. And I imagine that's because when Jesus was in Jerusalem, Jesus would take his disciples there in order to pray. For Jesus and for the church in Antioch, prayer, seeking God, preceded action. And finally, as we read on in Acts chapter 13, it says this. So it says, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. The call that the church received wasn't particularly specific. Certainly some of the details that develop we don't see in the original part of the call. The Spirit said to them, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. But we don't know what that work really was. We don't know where it was to take place. We don't know who was to assist them in that work. There's a whole load of questions that one might still have about that call, about the detail of it. How is it to be worked out in practice? And yet a couple of verses later, we discover that they've traveled to Seleucia, then they've sailed to Cyprus, they've arrived at Salamis, they've preached in a synagogue, and John is helping them. None of those things were in the original call. You see, very often God's calling requires prayer. God's calling requires us to be prayerful. God, when he calls us, doesn't very often give us every single little step, every little detail of the map. Sometimes, often, we have to work those things out for ourselves in the place of prayer. I think one of the reasons God doesn't give us all the detail is because he wants us to come back to him and to carry on seeking him, to carry on in that prayerful way of discipleship. And that's what Saul and Barnabas, I believe, did. They carried on seeking God for how that call might be worked out. Calling requires prayerfulness. Now, Going back to what I said at the beginning, I stand by everything I've said from that passage and as I was reflecting, I was thinking, this is a great passage, thinking about prayer. And I believe everything that I've just said. But the challenge for me isn't being convinced that prayer is important. The challenge for me isn't being convinced that I need to pray or that we as a church need to pray. The challenge is actually being prayerful. The challenge is actually doing it. Uh, a couple of years ago when we moved to Cambridge, um, 
Julie and I, we were a little bit concerned about our youngest son, Joshua. Uh, we were concerned about his speech. He was quite a long way behind um, other children of his age. And um, so we went to, well, Julie took him to the GP, and the GP recommended a, a kind of speech drop-in, which Julie took him along to. And it was amazing. They gave all kinds of tools and tips on how to encourage him to make the simple sounds and various phonics and those kind of things. See, as parents, we didn't need to be convinced of the importance of Joshua's speech. We needed some help on how to actually encourage him as the third child to talk. And so, just to finish with, I always want to be really practical. And I always want to suggest or offer a few things that I have personally found really helpful when it comes to sustaining prayer and prayerfulness when the prayer really isn't flowing. And I offer these to you humbly. All of these things are things that I've picked up from other people. And I'm conscious that for many of you here, you'll have a a pattern of prayer and you'll have tools and tips of your own that you know sustain you through those difficult times when it's difficult to pray. But maybe for some people, some of these things will be helpful and so I offer them to you. The first thing, um, and this may be a very odd thing to say at St. Paul's Ealing, which is a big charismatic church, is that one of the things I personally find really, really helpful is something called liturgy. Don't panic, Chris. Um, Liturgy, liturgy is basically scripture and prayers that the saints have prayed for hundreds of years, kind of woven together and then offered to you so that you can pray it for yourself. And I find it helpful because sometimes when you come downstairs and you open your Bible and you don't really know what to read and you can't think of something to pray for, actually sometimes being able to simply pray scripture and pray pray the prayers that have sustained the people of God for hundreds of years is an incredible gift. It's an incredible gift. And And this week, I've come and come to church, come to pray in the chapel and found just being able to pray those ancient prayers and pray through scripture, just a wonderful gift. And it's actually something as well which has really helped Julie and I to develop our prayer life together, but that's probably another story. So liturgy. Now sometimes you find as you begin, you just go off piste and you don't need to kind of hang on to it um, for dear life. But sometimes you just hang on to the whole lot and you just work your way through. And the Psalms, second thing, the Psalms are very similar in that sense. The Psalms, if you like, were Israel's liturgy. They were Israel's prayer book. Sometimes just just taking a a Psalm that you know and that you love and using that as your prayer can be a wonderful starting point. So for me, I have a few favourites that I feel familiar with and that I can come back to time and time again. For me, I really love Psalm 13 when things are hard. I really love Psalm 23, as I'm sure we all do. Psalm 63 is my favourite. Psalm 139 and Psalm 146. One psalm for each weekday. And sometimes just taking a psalm each day and praying through it, allowing those words to be my prayer. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. 
what a great place to start. And you have your prayer mapped out. And as you become familiar with it, again, you just work off it, use it as a framework and improvise as you go. Something that I did last summer, which was recommended to me by a friend, which I found was really, really helpful, was, you know when your children are off school and it's virtually impossible to find a quiet moment just to kind of be on your own and to pray? One thing he said to me, to, he said what he does is he, um, he just writes a prayer just writes it down. So rather than trying to think it or articulate it, he just sits down with his journal and he just begins to write and see what comes. And the process of writing is something which actually helps him to focus. And so he was saying that what he would do is about seven o'clock in the evening, his kids would sit down to watch Bob the Builder or whatever it was, and he would just sit on the sofa with them and he would just begin to write a prayer. And I started doing that last summer. And... um, One of the amazing things about it, and I actually found it really helpful, one of the amazing things about it was I look back now on my journal from last summer. It's full of the prayers that I prayed. It's so encouraging just to be able to look back and see what I prayed. A couple of other things really quickly. Devotional books I find really helpful. I've just been reading a book called The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis. It's a great book. It really helps me to think about what I might want to pray for. And something that Chris shared with the gap year guys, which I thought was such a good point earlier this week, was he said sometimes just assuming a posture of prayer can help fuel prayer when you don't find it easy to pray. So whether that's lying face down or kneeling or standing or standing with your arms raised or whatever it is, but actually assuming a physical posture of prayer can be something that just sparks prayer in us and helps us to focus When it comes to fasting, just a few things here. To fast for a whole day without food is actually really quite difficult if you've never done it before and if you're just not used to it. So how about some smaller fasts? How about having a day where you eat normally but you only drink water? How about having a day where you have a reduced diet so you just eat vegetarian uh, food or reduce the number of carbohydrates that you eat? How about you miss one meal, miss breakfast, miss lunch? What about having a day where you don't drink tea or coffee? What about fasting something different if fasting food is difficult for you, maybe for medical reasons? What about fasting the internet for a day? Or fasting your phone? Or fasting the TV? The purpose of fasting isn't to not eat. The purpose of fasting is to lay something aside in order to take something up that's more productive, more profitable. So how about trying to lay something aside in order to pray? It doesn't have to be going a whole week without food. They're just some practical tips. If a few people find anything of that helpful, then that's brilliant. But I guess really what I want to say this morning is this. If we want to be, and I know that we do, if we want to be a church that's passionate about having a sustained hunger for God, And if we want to be a a people, a church that has the capacity to hold all that God has for us, that hunger and that capacity is developed in the place of prayer. Yes, when prayer is easy, but particularly when it's tough.